Welcome to Tiger Resilience podcast series. With over 25 years experience directing addiction programs, these series are designed for anyone who is struggling with a loved one dealing with addiction. Through these programs, you will gain insight, awareness, and vision into all things about addiction. Here is where addiction education will assist you in reaching your human potential. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Bernie. I'm the host of Tiger Resilience podcast series. As always, we are so grateful that you took a moment out of your busy life and schedule to listen into our show. We do believe we have valuable information that we share discussing points about addiction. And we know that there's something here you can take away in learning something if you're interested in knowing more about addiction and substance use disorder. With that being said, today's topic actually is one of those great questions, um, kind of the chicken and egg question, and that is, what is it that creates somebody to become addicted to something where somebody else that does not? And the, you know, the idea behind somebody becoming addicted to either drugs or alcohol, it could be sex, it could be gambling, it could be food uh, in many ways. And what are those factors? Well, the truth is there are two fundamentals. There's genetics our biologicals that play a role, and of course, our environment, our influences that also play a role. Um, and as it comes down to that age-old question, is it nature or is it nurture? And of course, the answer is a lot more complicated than that, because it is actually both of those, because both do influence. At the end of the day, though, we are determined solely by our choice. But what is it that propels the choice? That's kind of the discussion today, or what are those factors? So if we truly are free to choose and and it's how we respond to life and those choices are what determines our direction in our life and we have that great gift as I have talked about many times in previous podcasts, then again, what is that freedom but what is it that creates the ball and chain of addiction to that? Well, again, we're going to discuss some of those factors because it really is the combination of both um, the environment, you know, the places and people that we are experienced with through our lives, as well as, of course, you know, some bio biological pieces, because there are some fundamental genetics that have been uh, recognized from the late 80s to the early 90s to present time that indicate, you know, there are specific uh, genomes and DNA that shows that there are some traits that are that are related to somebody who may have an addiction, and it can be a piece that kind of fits a puzzle uh, for somebody who's interested in learning if, hey, you know what, is, if my great-grandfather was addicted to alcohol, does that mean I'm genetically predisposed? Well, the truth is yes, that would mean there is potentially that genetic predisposition, but of course other factors have to play in together for that to come to fruition and for me to become addicted to alcohol or drugs or so on. So, in addition, though, also individuals who associate with, uh, you know, other individuals who are using drugs and alcohol, especially at a younger age, are also influenced. And these are big pieces, too, because this is the environmental factor. You know, we, we learn behaviors by individuals that we're around. So you're only as, as you really, your whole life is about the people that you surround yourself with. And that's a big piece, especially when growing up, too. And as all of us have learned through life, we all deal with stress. We learn this as a mechanism very early on, on how to handle stress situations. It's a natural part of our evolution and the human condition. Some of the challenges, though, that make uh, that do signify a difference between addiction and not addiction with an individual is what are some of those stress factors that happen to someone in their lives? Is it a physical or medical emergency or something that happens? Is it a disease that they're diagnosed with? You know, 
Is it an environmental? Is there some great adversity that somebody has to deal with? And they've developed these maladaptive uh, forms of how do I cope with this, you know, this stress that is maybe not an usual factor for, for people just having a, you know, basic normal life, as we'll call it, in a sense. So, so there are some factors that play a, a role into this. And those are some of the factors I want to discuss today. And that includes, uh, to start with, family dynamics and our interactions with each other and our family base. This is probably the most substantial because family dynamics plays a big role. And, and there's many ways that this is uh, going to be sensitive to some folks because I've worked with many families and they've said, hey, you know, our child was brought up well. They were given everything that they needed. We, we did the best we could do to give them attention. Um, and we, we, we really did everything we could possibly do. And, and our life turned out good. So we don't understand how, you know, this individual's, you know, our son or daughter's life had become so uh, so messed up that created this addiction when they know, you know, for a fact that we've had a good family relationship. And there may be a lot of truth to that, but the, the other challenge is that there are other factors in relationships that can fundamentally change that too. And those are usually on the outside of the family unit. So, and those could be relationships such as bullying, you know, and, and in today's age with social media, bullying has taken on a whole new level, um, you know, far more than I, I could have ever experienced, certainly 30 years ago. And it's the fact that we have individuals that can be almost stalked, you know, precisely online. Uh, if, if there's a group of people are interested in creating, you know, injurious behaviors for, you know, emotional and to somebody because they don't like them or whatever that reason is for bullies, then there is no real rational reason. It's just an abuse factor because they're just factors of them and their lives being abused in many ways. So, so there's families that I've worked with where a son or daughter may have had that experience. It might've been a trauma somewhere in their life that the family was not aware of. And because of one of the big factors in addiction is that it, there is a trauma that happened somewhere in that person's life. And it became this maladaptive coping mechanism that is what puts them forward into trying to survive mode. And that's where addiction generally will start, you know, and it's usually an escape part for part of it. And the other part is just trying to deal with those feelings and emotions by, you know, altering them, you know, the state change in our brains by offering a psychoactive substance, drugs or alcohol, you know, again, and food, you know, gambling, uh, kicks off endorphins and so on. So family dynamics are a big piece. And for many families that say, hey, listen, we always had a you know a good relationship with our children. We don't understand where this came from. There's things that could have happened that you're just not aware of. The person did not share it with you. I had a family I worked with uh, a little while back and a daughter had a, you know, a sexual assault. Um, she was abused. Uh, a couple of times on a high school campus and she never shared that because she was threatened by the the abuser you know for if anything was discussed that you know this family would be in trouble and there would be a lot of you know potential consequences and so she kept quiet and she kept that abuse in herself and never discussed it with anybody including even her best friends because she felt embarrassed and she felt that she was ashamed in many ways you know did I bring this on did I lead this on you know am I to blame for this and again, these are all factors that play a major role and families are not aware of every single thing that goes on. So one of the best encouragements I have for working with families when it comes to wanting to know what's going on in your child's life, keep an open communication. Listen first, talk second, 
listen with the intent to understand, not to respond. Listen with empathy. Listen with caring. Let them speak and let them feel comfortable in sharing what they have to share. Because by keeping that communication channel open, you will have the ability to be able to see what's going on in your child's life. And as all parents know, and I'm speaking even for myself as a father, we all have this innate understanding that if something's wrong, we can kind of sense it very quickly. Hey, there's just a little bit of a difference in a behavior and it kind of sets off a red flag. So a big piece is, you know, be aware of that. Have the communication uh, abilities with your loved one so that you can keep that channel open and in regards to anything that's going on in their lives. And the more that we communicate, the greater the chances are that we can beat in any adversity or again, any challenges that happen in their lives that you may not be immediately aware of, you know. So this brings us to the you know next factor and that comes back to the peer groups. And this goes to the other point where the bullying is a big issue, you know, um, both online and on campuses as well. Uh, but also their social interactions. And again, this is also, you know, the people they hang out with. You could have a group of friends and somebody says, hey, you know, we got this couple of guys. We're going to go out and hang out at a park somewhere. And, you know, we, uh, we, we smoke some weed. You know, it's nothing real serious. We might have a, you know, a box of wine or whatever it may be. You know, and as any youth is going to experiment and try this out, you know, they, they check it out. And maybe they, there's a quick bonding in that relationship with those, those guys and, and gals. And, of course, that factor plays a role because you want to be around those people that you like and you continue to do so. So peer groups are also a really big factor in this, too, as well. You know, and the people that we hang around with uh, and research has also shown that the individuals who have a more permissive and less critical views of drug use are likely to engage in those uses socially. You know, um, there's a lot of research that is also done on this with the peer groups too. So again, going back to the first point, have the communication with your child open and honest as well as a free flowing without judgment, because this will help you understand the peer groups of your, of your child's, you know, who they're hanging around with. Another factor is social media, and this is something that many people have a real challenge with because here is, again, going back to the bullying piece, that's a big part because anyone who is dealing with online bullying, it is such a strategic targeting point where some, no matter where they are, they're, they're almost like it's like a red flag that just follows them, like a GPS red flag, because the, the bullies, you know, the perpetrators know how to reach them. They know how to get them engaged into these bullying situations, you know, and that bullying is always generally done through an emotional statements and emotional abuse to the person, you know, the self-worth, all of these factors that play in. And it's really easy to hide because again, you know, no one's really honestly sitting up and saying, Hey, you know, mom, I got this Instagram, I get this Instagram post from this people all the time. And they're, they're you know, they're harassing me and they're giving me some really negative things um, because it's just a very difficult subject. So again, having communication open helps that channel, but also maybe having relationships with their friends as well, because also those are people who can also be, uh, you know, the first ones to say, Hey, listen, your son or your daughter, I, I know I go to school with and we're good friends. And, and I can see there's some kids that are starting to kind of pick on them. They're bullying them. They're sending them some, you know, inappropriate messages or text messages. They got a hold of their phone number and so on. So being aware of social media presence is a big factor as well in understanding that these can create addictive behaviors because of the abuse that can happen on it, you know. And it also goes with published media, which is another factor. 
you know, there's a lot of media out there, both movies, TVs, series that have glamorized a lot of drug use and alcohol use and tobacco use and sex as well as food. You name anything that we can become addicted to and in every sense there's probably been a, a hit movie to it in some degree. And it kind of creates this, you know, this romantic vision of, you know, what, what's going on and it's okay to try this. And, you know, um, today's society's message right now is is has really been perpetrating this idea that, you know, cannabis is completely harmless and we're not going to get into that discussion today, but I, you know, I'm here to say that that's not, that's not true. You know, cannabis is not addictive, you know, and it's, and it's a very big, uh, you know, message. And I hear it from my son who's 28 years old now, and he hears it from his peer groups all the time that it's, oh, it's nothing. It's just, it's, you know, it's been this thing that's been, you know, kind of demonized from years ago. And that's not true. There are a lot of issues that are still also around cannabis and yet they're going to follow what they hear in the in that you know in the media today because it is published out there that you know hey this is okay you know we're going to glorify this because it's it can help you with these these other things in a sense so culture and religion do play a role as well you know religious based triggers for addiction such as your geographical area that you grew up in you know, religious beliefs are prevalent as well in a culture, you know, early experiences and teachings related to shame and participation in or exclusion from certain specific cultural religious activities. You know, some cultures also accept the male to drink, but not the female. So there and there's substantial evidence showing some of the addictive factors that fall between the male or the female in that fact. Um, the same is also true for other cultural norms that play into roles. Um, I grew up in an Italian neighborhood, and again, this is not about singling out any specific culture, but it was a very normal fact for, for some of the kids to have wine with dinner. Um, it wasn't across the board, but it was definitely a very, you know, laxed rule because I remember going to my, you know, friend's house and, you know, sitting down and having pastas and stuff. And, and you could have a small glass of red wine with your, with your pasta because it was considered a food product that was part of, you know, your, your, your eating experience in many ways. So, so culture does have a factor. So does religion as well in, in what can poten potentially determine who becomes addicted to any substances as well. And of course, your physical physical environment. If you are in a physical environment that is stressful, if you are, if you have a family member that you know a parent potentially is is dealing with some alcohol issues, and the child is aware of that, and they see that constantly brought into the home. There's a there's a bar that is literally you know stocked from top to bottom, <clears throat> and this physical environment can be a very big influence early on for experimenting. I'll say, hey, let's let's sneak a little bit of uh, gin out of the of dad's uh, cabinet. They're all opened up and. There's a plenty of it. He'll never miss it. Or, you know, or, or then later on we can maybe add some water to it, you know, and so on. So these behaviors in that physical environment and conditions can create a condition as uh, for addiction as well. You know, a parent may have an issue with a uh, potential psych, psych issue and it could be some medications that they have. It could be a benzodiazepine and they use it for calming effects. And the kid gets into the medicine cabinet and says, oh, wow, what's that? And checks it out. No, oh, for, you know, dealing with anxiety, I feel very anxious. Let me try one of those. And, you know, this starts off another issue in patterns. And of course, with opioid addiction, the big issue is having painkillers in the house because anything that's, you know, you consider painful, hey, let me try this, this can potentially help me. And then the next thing you know, you're off and running to the races uh, dealing with an opioid addiction. So, so physical environment and what we have in our physical environments do play a major factor too as well. So those are some common, common factors that play roles in addiction. Again, it's not the nature nurture individually because it is an influence of each one of them. 
And it is our choice that we make those decisions that determine our outcomes. But these are the factors that influence our choice, you know, because everything has a purpose behind our choices. Why do we do what we do? Because it's based on our experiences, on our value systems, and all of the factors that played a role in us growing up in our lives. Again, both biological, meaning the, 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 nurture piece or the nature piece and of course the factors of where you live and your life and the friends and relationships which of course is the nurture piece too so i, I hope this was a little bit beneficial as a as it's a very common question that i get often and i thought it was worth certainly speaking about so if you'd like to learn more about addiction as a whole uh, please check us out at tiger resilience uh, dot com. That's tiger-resilience.com. We have uh, educational programs that are designed specifically to teach family members and friends who do not have an addiction issue to learn about what this is all about in many ways. What is addiction? You know, our opioid addiction program specifically discusses and breaks apart what creates an opioid addiction, the processes to it, and then what you can do to help a loved one who may be struggling with that too. So I once again, I thank you for your time and your busy schedule to listen into our show. We're very grateful for, that you take your moments to listen to us. And we feel that we have something here we can offer you. And we look forward to speaking with you again, wishing you a very peaceful week. Uh, and a very happy summer coming up soon. And once again, thank you very much and have a very, very pleasant day. Thank you for listening to Tiger Resilience Podcast. For more information, please visit us at our website at tiger-resilience.com. If you found value in this show, please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. It is very much appreciated. This is Tiger Resilience, addiction solutions for reaching human potential. 